Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is a Top Cow Thursday episode. And first of all, let me apologize. I know the audio isn't quite what you guys are used to. I'm coming to you from the road. I'm on uh, a, a trip for the day job. I'm in Denver in my, in my hotel room. So I don't have my usual mic or whatnot. But I did not want to miss out talking to the creative team for Siphon. Uh, first issue came out a couple weeks ago. Absolutely blew me away. Uh, you know, just another one of those examples of, of Top Cow putting out just a high quality series. Those guys over there, you know, Mark Silvestri, Matt Hawkins, they really know what makes a good story. So uh, thanks to the creative team for joining me. We're going to dive into it in some detail and learn about the origins of it and talk about some of the themes. So uh, let me start with you, Patrick. Why don't you give a quick intro and we'll just kind of go with Mosin and then uh, Jeff and let everybody know uh, who you are and, and what your role is on the book. Sure. Uh, so I'm uh, Patrick Meany. I'm the, the co-writer on Siphon along with uh, Mosin. And uh, I'm people in comics may know me from uh, documentaries I've done about different comic book creators like Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman and Chris Claremont and even uh, Image Comics, which is now our home for the book. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, it's been a, been a really fun process. And uh, it's been awesome seeing it come out and getting to uh, collaborate with uh, Mosin and Jeff on it. Great. And how about you, Mosin? Hey, guys. My name's Mosin. Um, I'm the creator and co-writer of Siphon. This is my first comic series. Super excited to have it come out. But I've always had a knack for storytelling. I've done some film uh, work before, have a novel in the works, um, and really, really just love the art and medium of, of comics. And so I was excited to partner with Patrick and Jeff on bringing this to life. All right, Jeff, you're up. what's your role on the book? My role is pretty simple. I draw the stuff. Uh, I'm the penciler and inker for Siphon, and uh, uh, I got uh, I got to meet Matt Hawkins at uh, GalaxyCon Raleigh. I'm sorry, Richmond, uh, right before the lockdown started, and uh, he introduced me to these two fine gentlemen, and uh, it's been it's been Christmas every week getting to to work with these guys. So I, I I'm just glad that. Uh, I'm glad that, as you said, you like the book. I'm glad to hear that you like the book, and uh, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that I get to do this. I mean, this is this is the coolest job ever, and uh, uh, yeah, penciler and inker. Yeah, and fantastic uh, pencilers. And what's so funny? And I, I told Jeff when I invited him on the show. I, as soon as I saw it was Jeff Edwards, I was like, wait, I have an amazing Firestorm commission from him. <laughs> uh, so the art blew me away. And then when I invited him, I was like, oh, by the way, I do have this great commission. Uh, and I'll throw that up on Twitter, everybody, when this episode goes out, so you can check it out. Uh, but let's let's dive into the book itself. Uh, I think most, and you're the one that originally came up with the idea. So why don't you give us kind of the elevator pitch and let everybody know what the book is all about, and then talk a little bit about bringing uh, Patrick on as a co-writer. Sure, sure. So um, when I was actually living in New York as a banker, my roommate, uh, you know, was a big comic enthusiast. So we would nerd out all the time about some of our favorite comics. This is the time that Civil War One came out on on uh, the Marvel world. But we also, you know, read books like Three Hundred Ex Machina, and you know, just really, really fell in love with the medium at that time. And uh, you know, out of the blue, we were just chatting one day, and I had this idea for a comic character. And the original inception was, um, you know, a Doctor X meets a Punisher, somebody, you know, a, 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 an empath with a dark side almost. And I just had this vision of of uh, an anti-hero kind of roaming hospital halls and, and, and take away people's, you know, pain essentially. Um, and I think this stemmed from the idea of me being an empath and just a lot of us engaging with people, seeing their pain, understanding, uh, trying to understand how to help them. 
um, oftentimes taken on their burden um, and being able to balance all that together. And so that was the original inception of the idea of the comic. Um, thought it'd be really interesting to, to uh, focus on more of that, um, especially during a time when, you know, I think of the millennial age, people have been really struggling with anxiety, depression, not sure how to deal with that. Um, and then now we see with all the situations happening around the world for obviously first COVID, but what's happening in, in Afghanistan, Palestine, so many different places, just this idea of helplessness of, of how do you help others on that side? Um, so that was the original inception of the story as it came about. And so I've, I've been meaning to bring it to life for a while now. just didn't really know how. And I was at Sundance a few years ago and I met, I met Patrick at a party. Um, one of the nights and we just started chatting and, and Patrick was doing a lot of film stuff at that time. Um, and I was investing, I was interested in that as well. So we chatted about doing that, but as I got to know Patrick, he mentioned that he had done some comic work. And so I'm really excited. And I was like, Hey, let's go make a comic book. And he's like, sure. Let's sounds like a fun ride. Let's get into that. Um, and that was really the original inception of, of how it all came together. And now Patrick, um, when you came on as a, as co-writer, did you already have a relationship with Top Cow? Like how, how did the book end up at, uh, at Top Cow? Uh, well, I knew, I uh, have known for a long time, um, Henry Brajas, who was our kind of initial um, entry point into t uh, Top Cow. And I had met Matt from uh, interviewing him for the image film. And then I think in comics, it's kind of a small world. So if you go to, you know, the, the big cons and you kind of see uh, the people again and again. So it's a great industry in that regard because you can really like build these relationships at, you know, uh, the, the con floor or the hotel bar or, or walking around. Um, so I think once we kind of had this pitch together, we, we brought it over there and, um, you know, they were excited about it. And I, I think it's, it's really worked out uh, quite well for everybody. Yeah, now, uh, Jeff, you mentioned these guys approaching you uh, at a show. Did you have a previous relationship? Did you know Matt uh, as well? And when you heard about the pitch, did you right away start that artist brain start working? And you said, oh, I want to be a part of this. I know exactly how I'll do this part of it or that part of it or whatnot. Um, well, so they didn't approach me. If I, if I put that out there, I didn't. Mm -hmm. What I meant was I met them at the show. And it's funny uh, I started doing conventions back at a time when there was a lot more um, uh, portfolio re reviews and it kind of died off. So whenever there's one that happens, I tend to, I tend to take advantage of it. And uh, there were three that weekend, which is just, it's like finding a unicorn. It was amazing. And uh, one of them was, um, was Matt, it was Matt Hawkins. And I had, um, I, I just, I went, to every portfolio, um, it's funny. Uh, all the same artists ended up going to all the portfolio, and so we kind of came together to create the portfolio review crew, and we still talk to this day. And uh, and Matt was the 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 review on Sunday. I uh, gave him my stuff, and uh, it was the shortest and strangest uh, review I've ever had. He just looked at it and said, uh, "I like it," and mm -hmm. and I was like all right well you know it was so it was so matter of fact and sudden that i i had to go back to my table with my the rest of my my crew at my table i'm like i i think i got hired i don't <laughs> i don't know you know uh but lo and behold i did and uh it actually took a little bit of time to um to get me introduced to pat and and mostly because uh matt had come down with uh what he didn't know was at the time but turned out to later be covid symptoms so he was feeling pretty bad for 
weeks, you know? So no, it didn't, it didn't have this go, you know, hit the ground, hit, you know, running. It was more of a slow burn. And, uh, I actually really like that. <laughs> I I've never had that before. So I wouldn't know the comparison. Usually it's like somebody's looking for an artist. They're ready to go right now, fill in mm -hmm. and, and hit the ground running. This was beautiful, though, um, because it allowed some time for us to conceptualize characters, us to get this idea of um, what this siphon power should. It's a visual medium. So what it should it look like? How should we manifest it? Um, it was a luxury of time that I don't think any of the people at Top, Top Cow really meant to give us because he got sick. But we took advantage of it. And uh, it was beautiful for me because. There are so many, uh, like in production, there's so many continuity things that you can tend to forget when you're, you're, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. But if you have, I have full character sheets of expressions and figures and everything. And that was like so, so beautiful because whenever I can, I try to do that concept uh, work before a project because it does, it helps minimize continuity errors if a character looks like this on page one he should look like this same on page 20 you know and sometimes you forget little things so it was it was a slow burn but it was beautiful i i'm i'm so grateful for the the time because it really is a it is a hot commodity there there's not many product uh projects out there where you get that kind of that kind of time so no it, i, I it, my my creative juices were very were very slow simmer and then, um, you know, we, Patrick and I, Mosin and I, we, we started getting back and forth on the, on the designs first. And that really got me excited. Um, so yeah, no, it, it was, it was a slow burn. <laughs> oh yeah. It definitely, uh, comes through in the art that you, you got to take your time. And I want to go back to something you said, Mosin, when you were kind of explaining the initial concept, you used the term dark impact. And that's something that I, it's fascinating to me about the story because I, I think it might be something that flies under the radar a little bit because when you hear empath and, and you read the story, uh, main character Silas is an EMT. He obviously cares about people. He, he, you know, he's a healer, but there's also this sort of contradiction that he's gaining power by taking away, you know, the pain and the grief, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain from, from other people. And so I sensed a little bit of, like selfishness, you know, and, and that is such a contradiction because normally when you talk about someone who's a healer or an EMT and they want to take pain away, away from somebody, it's this altruistic idea of them wanting to help somebody else out. But there is this aspect to the story that kind of subtextually where you think, is this guy doing it to feel better about himself? You know, we, we saw that he had a horrific car accident himself. He made a poor choice. And so is it him really sacrificing for others or is he just doing this to assuage his own guilt? And in that way, it's, it's sort of uh, selfish. And so talk a little bit about that and, and how that may have influenced um, kind of the look of the, the story when you and uh, Patrick and Jeff were talking about the design elements and how you wanted the world to, to look. You, you bring up a really good point because, you know, this is one of the themes that, you know, we had chatted about as well when Patrick and I were first kind of visioning this where, um, you know, one of the main th themes is altruism, but what happens with altruism often is it is a selfish need because you help others because of the way it makes you feel. You help others to assuage your guilt. And so I think that's one element we really wanted to kind of bring in with Siphon. Um, the other piece of it is addiction. And, and you mentioned that, right? We've, and, and you'll see this kind of flurry through, through the story where 
um, you know, Silas does tend to have an addictive personality. He's not drinking in the story because of issues that had with him in the past. And we'll see how that ties to the car accident as well. Um, and then, and then you see the idea of, of helping others. Is that an addiction of using this power of, of fulfilling that need? Is that end up being addiction at the end of the day? Um, and I think that ties to kind of one of the other themes we have is about balance. This idea that we're all just beings of light and dark at the end of the day. And how do you channel that lightness? How do you channel that darkness? And, and as you've seen with, with Siphon, he's presenting more of a positive image, but under the surface, there is that element of darkness in, in, in a lot of ways. And, and we'll see that play out, I think. Um, and, and we've really been focused on that as well, because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on that, you know, I envision Silas as more of an anti-hero at the end of the day. And the, the reason for that is that, you know, nobody's really good or bad, right? We're all on a spectrum at the end of the day. We all have elements of both in us. Um, and we, you know, we're all like just swirls of emotion and energy in a lot of ways. And how do you, how do you manifest that? How do you channel that? How do you make that more relatable to, to people at the end of the day? And that's what we wanted the story really to be. Um, in terms of the arts, you know, uh, I think we wanted to have a bit of a kind of a, I think Patrick Quinta is more of a newer feel, you know, a little gritty, um, balancing, uh, you know, the, the, the polish of, of, of the new cities, of, of all the technology we have with, with the grit and grime that you know in in the streets and i think jeff did a really really good job capturing that um from like you know the trash bins that run down roads kind of a lot of that manifesting in and i think that, again that's a reflection you know of society which is a reflection of of of, of how we stand in a lot of ways as as people patrick i know you had any other comments about that yeah yeah i think that um one of the big things was the idea that this takes place in in a more real world setting than a lot of fantasy so it's kind of like you know, you're on uh, fairly, you know, standard like city streets, but you're peeling back this kind of mysterious uh, world that may, you know, could exist uh, down the street from you or I. And uh, that was a big um, thing for us was to have the fantasy in this like very grounded and, and real world setting, both in the themes that like Mosin is talking about dealing with, you know, the, the challenges of, of trying to like be a better person and not in a way that they, uh, you know, it, it's not an easy answer. It's not just like, yes, be a better person. Good idea. You know, there, there's a lot of contradictions and things. Um, so I think that was interesting for us. Yeah, and that's definitely struck a good balance in as far as the tone, you know, choosing New York City, it is very gritty. It is very real. It is very much world outside your window, but it doesn't really get much more fantastical in comics and magic. And that's really what we're talking about in terms of the power here. But it didn't come through as, uh, you know, this really high concept or something that didn't feel like it could happen in, in the real world. You know, it, it did have a very believable uh, feel to it, which I imagine is a lot of the tone that you guys are setting with the narrative, but then also obviously just um, line work. But uh, I wanted to ask you, Patrick, you know, being that this was Mosin's idea originally, um, do you really feel like it's become a story that, that both of you own? Um, and, and was there a particular time where you felt like, okay, now this, this is really something that, that we're building together? Hmm. What are the challenges? I'm always curious about that. When you come on later and it's someone else's idea and then you start you know, world building, actually telling the story together. Talk a little bit about the, the challenges of that. Sure. Well, I mean, I think for, for me, it was really fun since I, you know, I thought the concept was great. And then it was just kind of getting to unpack it and kind of take the concept and build it out as a narrative together. So I, I think one of the big things we came up with together was kind of the whole, the, the mythology of like 
why does this power exist? Where does it come from? And, and sort of exploring questions of like, what are the, if, you know, if taking like pain ages you and kind of like destroys you, is there, you know, maybe is it possible to take other sorts of emotions as well, which is kind of the, the subject that we get into in, in the later issues. Um, and I think we came up with uh, sort of the, the Silas's kind of antagonist or perhaps a mentor or somewhere in between um, this character named Antonio who appears at the end of the first issue and uh, kind of becomes a big focus of the later issue. So that was a, a really fun character to work out together. Um, who's kind of like a, a Magneto-esque figure, I think is the, the easiest way to convey it. Um, where you're like, this guy is a little bit, you know, a little bit of much, but maybe there's like a kernel of something in, in what he's saying. Um, and then that character inadvertently wound up uh, looking exactly like Mosin, which has been fun. Because um, a lot of people who uh, have read the book and, and know Mosin are like, oh, that's you. And uh, I don't know if we even intended that, but I think Jeff just kind of like drew the character and then Mosin drew a beard. And next thing you know, uh, they look the same. So it, it um, so I think that's been really fun. And, and yeah, it's just kind of building out this world and, and you know, uh, getting to dive into a mythology. So it's, it's been really cool. Oh, that's great. Um, now, Jeff, you're known for, uh, you know, your work on G.I. Joe, uh, Transformers, especially those are the two. I mean, you've done some other things, but to me, those are the ones that really stand out. And we're talking about a lot of machinery. We're talking about a lot of, a lot of tech, you know, with the G.I. Joe weapons. Obviously, Transformers, you know, cars and planes and tanks and whatnot, returns and robots. Those things are so sort of cold in a way, and it's a lot of right angles and, you know, boxes. Uh, one thing I noticed that you're doing in, in Siphon um, is it's, it's a much more natural looking style. You know, a lot of curves, things just tend to be more soft. Um, and especially with the colors that John Kalis is bringing with, with, you know, the glowing reds and purples and blues. So was that a bit of a challenge for you to, to change your style? Has it been kind of fun to do something different where it's not all, you know, robots and tanks and weapons and whatnot? Honestly, no. Um, the challenge was to um, not have bendy arms for my Transformers and not have <laughs> wobbly swords. Uh, so... I, I, my, my favorite characters in comics have always been more humanoid. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Transformers. I love, uh, especially the, the G1 designs are classic. But, you know, when you grow up and you're, you love the Turtles and the Hulk and all these humanoid shapes to your characters and you draw them, you, you, you tend to work in rounds. You turn, you tend to, um, you, you just that's what you gravitate towards because when you're you're studying uh the the figure it it's just it's natural um so no i actually for a while there i had to like double check all the stuff i was doing when it comes to the robots the mech work um and i had i had to like do all the tricks flip it horizontally in the computer to make sure that i'm not i'm not missing something you know because uh, you can't see the forest for the trees all i that's what is that's sort of was the challenging part when I got hired on to do this and they explained to me the basics of the, of the story and the premise that there was this, um, this power signature that you can, you can have these characters emitting. Um, it was like homecoming. It was, it was yeah. like, I get to draw humans again. Uh, 
and 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 in a lot of ways that can be pretty liberating because you know um it is you're right you look at the the transformers one cover that i did i mean there is gear work in there for days and uh it all has to work because in my head the other thing that's going on is like if it, if there's a if there's mechanical elements they should look at least like they function and if they don't it to me it breaks the it, it breaks the illusion um so i get a little bit i go a little bit down the rabbit hole a little too easily when it comes to stuff like that uh so it was nice it was nice to be able to get away from the strictness the more um uh almost technical illustration sort of approach that i had with uh specifically the transformers cover it was nice it was nice to get back into fluidity movement um because you know i i i i'm a i'm a saturday morning cartoon kid who then started watching you know 80s and 90s um anime and then i'll just if 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 it's alive and fluid and movement i love it i love it and i try to put as much of that into um my projects as I can. And sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't fit, but with this one um, in particular, it, 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 you know, the places and, and you, you know, we're only seeing book one, the places where we're going to go, they fit very well to be, um, to have just a lot of movement and fluidity and, um, and, and, and I don't even know, like a, a like a, a live quality to it that, the, the robots and the the, ma- the mix that I've done before they it, it wouldn't really fit so yeah no this was this was like uh, this is like coming back coming back home it was it was fantastic yeah it's a great way to put it uh, so most and I wanted to to touch on something Patrick said uh, in regards to Antonio and him being that Magneto type character I always find that the villains that are the most interesting are the ones that you can relate to you can see their point of view they sort of live in that uh, gray area. So when you and Patrick were starting to build out the story and, and build kind of a, an antagonist to this, this anti-hero of, of Silas, did you seize on that right away of wanting him to be more of a complex character and, and live in that gray area and, and, you know, kind of see his point of view? And how much of a challenge was it to, to get that right? Absolutely. We absolutely wanted to do that. Uh, I, I think Matt Hawkins is the one who told us that, um, you know, the villain is, always thinks he's a good guy in his own story. And I think we, we really took that to heart to be, you know, understanding what is Antonio's angle? Um, how do you as a as an audience, you know, not relate with him necessarily, but perhaps commiserate with him, understand what his his uh, he's striving for? Why is he doing what he's doing? Um, I think Marvel did it best with Thanos, where, you know, uh, the villain of the first arc, but to understand his philosophy of, of you know, his his method at the end of the day. Um, so we really want to introduce Antonio to be a, a foil for for Silas in certain ways, um, where you know Silas is is an altruist with perhaps selfish uh, 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 intentions. Um, is Antonio you know selfish with altruistic intentions? And and I think you're going to start seeing that playing out uh, in in later stories as we go on with that. Cool, I can't wait to to check it out. Well, Patrick, let's shift gears here a little bit and, and put uh, Jeff on the hot spot here. Uh, with, at what point did you realize that he was the right guy for the project? Was did you know as you're building it out and he, you're talking about you know we want these characters to look like this or we want the world to look mm-hmm. like that? Did he nail it right away? Was there back and forth? 
Um, uh, well, it was perfect for it right from the start, or did it take a little time? No, I mean, I, I think that Matt um, was very kind of like, I met this guy at this con and he's great and you should, you know, uh, sign him on because if you don't sign him up for your book, I, I'm going to use him on something of my own. So when I saw his samples, I was very impressed. And I think it was really once we started getting into the, the nitty gritty of, of doing the book that I, I realized uh, kind of how much he could do and, and wanted, you know, I think with the later script, we got into really kind of pushing it. Uh, I know like for me, kind of J.H. Williams, his art is always sort of like the gold standard of, of the best of comics. And I, I love, uh, you know, in like Seven Soldiers when he does all these different styles. So I think that was something that we really started to push um, together to do and, and kind of be like flashbacks or in the first issue, you could see there's like a flashback that's kind of very soft um, style. So that was fun. And then just really doing kind of crazier and crazier layouts and things is is something that i love in comics and i, I think can add a lot to the storytelling so it, i think once um once we realized what jeff could do i think it became just kind of like let's let's let him you know run wild here and really do some some crazy visual stuff uh, in the book i'm actually gonna jump in here just for a sec because i think i was probably the more apprehensive one about the artists coming on board just because we've looked at a few artists before and i think they didn't really capture what we we're looking for and, and Jeff's work looked great, you know, but when Matt and Patrick signed up, like, okay, let's, let's give this guy a shot. And it was his really, his first iterations. And I think you'll see this in the backup of the second comic uh, where he has um, a picture of both Silas and Antonio in, in, in full force of the power. And once we saw that, we're like, this guy just gets it. He gets the persona of the characters. He gets the, the manifestation of the power. It was just honestly breathtaking. And that's when we knew like, this guy is going to just kill it. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt when I got my Firestorm commission from Jeff. I'm like, why is this? Mm -hmm. Why hasn't somebody been snatched up by him? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that Firestorm yeah. is just amazing. And I remember when I picked it up at the table, Jeff's like, well, you have people like Adam Hughes in here. I had to like up my game. I didn't want to be the worst guy <laughs> yeah. in the book. Um, but one of the things, and, and Patrick touched on this, one of the things, Jeff, about uh, what you did in issue one, you do have that J.H. William-esque um, sort of scene early on um, when Antonio is being, being attacked in the alley and it's it, it, that power manifesting itself circular and you use it to frame out the panels. That was, yeah, that was awesome. But the other thing that I noticed is later on when uh, kind of the pacing of the story picks up a little bit after Silas uh, meets this girl and they start going out. You got you have a couple double page montage pieces there, and what I really loved about it is that you struck such a great balance of keeping the the mysterious tone of the story in the subtext of your art, also making it feel very New York, and also adding in so much emotion so that we can see that there's there's emotion there that they care about each other um but we can also see the emotion in the face of, of silas holding back and it even we even get some of that in the dialogue so talk a little bit about building those montages out um like how do you conceptualize them in your head and, and is it a lot of fun for you or do you end up feeling like oh, i bit off more than i can chew i should have just done panels <laughs> <laughs> Um, if, if you don't feel like you've bit off more than you can chew, you're not challenging yourself enough. So I was 100% like doing my layouts. I was like, all right, I'm not sure, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give it a go. 
And, uh, you know, be, you, you've got to. I mean, uh, the you, you touched on the J.H. Williams. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of his. And it's a rarity for me to be given the opportunity to kind of let my hair down and, and go a little, a little wild. But, you know, with, going back to what we were talking about, this that's something that is purely comics. There's no way you're really going to be able to do something like that with uh, film or, or animation. But you can do that in comics. So whenever I get the opportunity, I'm like, yes, I, 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 I'm, I got this idea. Let's go with it. And uh, it's funny because as much as I would love to take credit for the J.H. Williams page, that was in the script. It was an idea that that Patrick and Mosin had put in. Can you, can you do something like J.H. Williams III? And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I absolutely can. Um, so the double-page montage, you know, for me, my favorite comics are character-driven, and they are the comics that the subtleties are are an important aspect to the art uh, faces hands body language these are things that communicate so much uh that you don't really it's one of those things where you don't you don't you don't realize it until you don't have it you don't you don't love it until you miss it and um i really really try to make sure that if we can get even if it's just a subtle head turn a little, a little slouch to the shoulders, something, anything to add a little, a little bit more of that human touch to it. Um, it, 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 I draw comics that I want to read, and I, 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 and and that's what I want to read. I want to read comics where I can connect with the character. And you know, when you have these two characters that are very, very complex, you're talking about um, a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, a, a lot of diving into the the mental aspect of what they're going through. If you don't know, if you don't, if you don't push to have that sort of emotional uh, visual, those those little emotional visual cues. If you don't push those in there, um, it just doesn't sing as well as it could. Is if you if you did. I mean that there there was some that double page spread in particular. Um, you know there were a couple of really hard panels to draw because there were some there were some tough things that you know he sees during the day you know he he sees people at their worst um and that's you know that's tough to draw you have to you have to put yourself as an artist you put yourself emotionally into the character uh you put him into every single one of them the first panel from that that um that double page spread uh, this 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 old lady's blind and her husband's having a heart attack that's hard that's hard to to deal with when you're drawing it because you can't if you don't put yourself into it it comes out a little bit stiff it comes out a little bit like you phoned it in i absolutely i can't do that so um so no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't boring it was absolutely a challenge um and it uh, what i wanted to have was um i wanted to show like a couple of important things. I wanted to show the slow progression that it's taking on Silas to do what he does when he takes the, 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 the energy from these, these people that are dealing with all this negativity while at the same time, you know, 
he's he's a he's a hero at night during his superhero time but he's a hero during the day so during the day you have these calls and it gets it gets progressively more and more difficult situations to deal with and as an artist you can choose to shy away from showing that but you know the whole the whole tone of the book has been gritty realism so if at the end of the that that montage you have a uh, a person who's taken their own life i i don't I, I think it would it wouldn't do the justice to the story to shy away from it right you know and so that was really hard to draw <laughs> you, you know it's it just is it's a it's a heartbreaking moment um so no it was it was very challenging but again it was some of the some of the things that i looking back now um, some of the things I love the most. I love, I, I love, you know, superhero books where there's the punch em ups, but I mean, you're, you're not going to find something like what we're doing in a, in a, in a Wolverine book or a Spider-Man book. They're doing great things over there, but it's just this, this you know, you gotta, you gotta, if you've got something that is unique to your story, you gotta go all in on it. And, and these were those moments that was uniquely siphoned. And so, just dove in on it and it was it was a lot of fun yeah now. It resonated with me because it did feel so unique like you guys are really pushing and trying to do uh, something different what blew me away and impressed me so much uh, so let me ask you this patrick uh, you know obviously we've only had the, the first issue come out second issue comes out next week everybody on the 25th of august so uh, about a week after this comes out on top cow thursday uh is there without spoiling patrick is there a particular moment event that's coming up that you can't wait to have the readers experience and see what their reaction is um yeah i mean i i feel like the each issue is a little bit different it's kind of each you know um obviously they link together but they each kind of have their own sort of story and a slightly different uh genre or vibe so i, I think the third issue is kind of like a uh, inception-esque uh, scenario so I, I think that's the one I'm, I'm really excited and, and I think it's a very uh, it's really kind of pushing it with the art there's there's a probably like I don't know 15 pages without panel borders so oh, wow. um, so it, it gets pretty crazy so I, I think that's something that that you know I, people will be excited for um, you know and uh, I'm excited to get a, a one of the pay the original pages for my own uh, wall since they're all so cool is that the correct answer, Mosin? Did Patrick get it right? <laughs> is the one? Oh, absolutely. I think. I think. And, and you know, I mean, you know, issue three is really Patrick's brainchild of of really entering in the metaphysical, and you know, um, it, it's it's a wild ride. And I think I think what's great about this story, you know, is that uh, you know it's it, it, it's unique, it's compelling, it's relatable. But I think the arc that it takes is is one that people won't expect coming. Um, and I'm really excited to, you know, get people's perspective about that when, once we lay that in. Well, what would you say to somebody, um, you know, if they, if they haven't heard of the book at all, and, eh, maybe I'm going to pick it up, maybe not. Like, why, why should I? Uh, what would you say to, uh, to somebody who's kind of on the fence? Sure. I mean, I think for me, it's about taking, you know, uh, the situations that we're kind of all facing, which is like, what are the limits of of, you know, caring, like how much can you care about the problems in the world before it destroys your own life? I think is a question that, you know, we've all probably seen friends or family or whatever who, who have just been kind of like, 
shells of themselves because of all this bad stuff going on but it's like there's always going to be bad stuff and how do you live with it so i, so I think it's an interesting question that i haven't seen addressed a lot but it's done in a fun uh kind of noir meets fantasy way um so it won't feel like a uh you know it, i think it's very relevant without being like bogged down in in the minutiae of of what's actually going on so I, I think it's an accessible uh you know story that that people can latch onto with amazing art if you love comics you know i, I think you'll love this art so yeah what about you what what, what, what did you say to somebody that's on the fence what i would say is um I would simply ask them a question is if they could, you know, take away somebody's pain, physically take away somebody's pain, a loved one, a family member, a friend, somebody off the street, would they just ask them that question? If you had the power to do that, to heal people, to physically heal people, to take away their burdens, their pains in, in, in a world where we would live with so much anxiety, depression, um, you know, so many head issues, if you will, if you had a chance to help others around that, would you? Um, I would simply ask them that question. And, and uh, that's exactly where the story goes. And, and, you know, as, as one would expect, it's much more complicated than you think. Um, and there's a lot of different nuances around that. And so just posing that question to people is how I'd get them into the story. Yeah. That's a really great way to, to look at it. Cause you're right. It, it's a simple question, but as soon as you start thinking about it and you try to quantify it, well, how much of their pain, what would it do to me? You know, you start thinking about those kind of things. For Jeff, I guess you just show him your amazing artwork and you go, this is mine. Yeah, yeah that's, that no was words. my game plan. I just draw them something. I'd be like, here you go. Here you go. What do you think? No, I, I tend to agree with uh, Patrick and Mosin. I mean, it is, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated uh, sort of theme, but relatable. And, and, I, and I, I think that that is what makes some of the best stories is if, if you can relate to what's going on, um, no matter if you're young, old, doesn't matter. You know, if you can relate, um, it's worth a shot, you know, and, and, and I would uh, then that's when I would hold up the drawing. <laughs> Here, here's something cool to look at on top of all that. <laughs> we, should, we should also mention, you, you know, it's not uh, it's not only Jeff. He 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 he'd be the first one to tell you the amazing colors from John Kalis. Oh, uh, they just elevate your line work uh, to an extreme. They help set that mood and that tone we're talking about, that New York City feel, um, and also the lettering um, from uh, you know um, ALW. I mean, we so many people don't realize how much lettering controls the pace of how you read the story and pace is very important and pace is the hardest thing to get right for somebody building a comic for the first time or writing a comic for the first time. So obviously most of you have, you know, Patrick helping out uh, who's, you know, done comic book work before, but uh, that's one of the things I want to congratulate the whole team on is the pacing of the first issue was, was excellent. And it is such a hard thing to get right. So, um, Touching on that point of being your first uh, comic work, uh, Mosin, is there anything that that surprised you or was more challenging than you expected um, taking on this project? Yeah, definitely. I, I think pacing was a very strong challenge, honestly, because there's a lot there's a lot of story we wanted to tell to really you know hook the reader, introduce this new world, but not overwhelm them with information. I think that was one tricky piece, um, but also just the balance of how do you you know, you know, I've written before, done film before, but how, in, in this medium, how do you convey a lot of information with 
you know, a, a marriage of, 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 of images and, and words. Um, and, and how do you have it to a point where everything, you know, you only, you only get 20 plus pages, you know, how, how do you have everything be meaningful, right? If an action is done in the page, then you don't need it to be written. Um, if it's missing, then you need to have it written. So, so how do you marriage that, that collection? So, so the, the imagery is complementary to, to the lettering at the end of the day. And I think finding that balance of, of making it engaging and attractive to, to the reader, not overwhelming them, um, making it meaningful, I, I think was, was a challenge because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's easy enough to tell stories, but how do you tell something that, that is compelling that, that draws somebody in right off the bat? And I think that's kind of the challenge that, that, that we had. And even just with the story origination, like Patrick and I went through a lot of different ideas, right? In, in, in uh, an original, you know, story arc, we actually started with um, a prehistory of, of an example of, of where the power came from. Introduce, you know, the reader that way um, in kind of a shock moment. Um, and so we had to play around with what is the right way to open the story? Uh, you know, what, what is the right journey to take this reader on? Um, you know, I always come back to Harry Potter, which is one of my favorite stories. But what's brilliant about that is that there's this huge world and, you know, you're really interest, introduced to it through, you know, somebody who doesn't know much about the world. Um, and, and you're along the, the ride and, and the journey with them. And, and that's kind of what we want to do with Silas. We want to introduce this large arc and this larger story and things Antonio is saying people might not fully get. And that's fine. Um, it'll, it'll come back full circle with the rest of the arc, but we wanted this journey to be uh, shown from Salas's eyes um, and have the reader long come with it that, that in a way that made, you know, really good sense to them. So let me ask you, Patrick, talking about the larger world, would you come back and do maybe a, a prequel or, or would you guys like well, to get together? Yeah, I mean, we, we're already uh, kind of, uh, you know, unofficially working on uh, a volume two. So this is only three issues, but the idea would be to come back for, for another round uh, in the, the not too distant future, hopefully. Um, and we're, we're figuring out the exact uh, story to tell, but we have a whole bunch of different ideas and, and kind of world, uh, you know, materials that will be touched on more. Um, and I, I think the challenge with any sequel or, or, you know, however you want to call it continuation is how to keep like kind of that the grounded nature of it while making the world a little bit bigger and, and adding some more scope. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're figuring out now. But the, the hope would be in, you know, maybe uh, early 22, uh, be back with another round. So uh, we'll see. But uh, we can't confirm that yet. But, you know, it's looking good. We'll, we'll cool. leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, if, if there is another uh, uh, volume, do you have you know, as the artist, would you have a particular era or a particular setting? This one's New York City. Would you want to go like Middle East or prehistoric times or far into the future? Like, what would you like to draw? So you've seen the first issue. So you, you, you've you seen the page where we we see a lineage of siphons throughout yeah. history. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has got very, very little uh, opportunity to draw a variety of settings and i mean you have a lot of the superheroes that are kind of the the same mold mm -hmm. um to be able to do a story from any of the siphons that are trailing off into the past would just be an absolute joy i mean mm -hmm. i i have a personal huge 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 interest a long-spanning interest in uh, fables and legends and mythologies growing up doing my uh, schooling it was a constant source of I did illustrations of grim fairy tales I mean I did all this stuff 
for as far back as I can remember. I've been, a, I've just, I've, I've loved these stories. And so to me, with comics being a, a, a modern myth, having these characters and we've sort of kind of set off little flashbulbs about these, these other siphons. It, it's like, it's like somebody saying, Hey, would you mind talking about uh, uh, Hercules? He's not one of the main ones, but would you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, so it, there, it, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a no lose situation because the premise is, is exciting. It's fun. And to find out that there is this um, depth of, of, of places and settings and, and stories to tell. Uh, and in particular, if it's being told by Patrick and Mosin, I'm already, I'm already there. So yes, I would, uh, mm-hmm. I would be, I would be down for that. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's sort of like Witchblade, you know, we've had, you know, Witchblade through the years in the old West in you know, ancient times and Arthurian type stuff. So yeah, it's, it's great. This concept is great that it lends itself to that. Well, it's been Jace, great- you mentioned, yeah, well, I was going to say, Jace, so yeah. you mentioned Middle East. And I'm going to just say that, you know, in the short shot that we've had, you've shown yourself to be well out of the curve in many instances. Um, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, that ties in with what I was just about to say. Be sure you pick up the next issue. Uh, as I said, it comes out August 25th. And I'm uh, sure your retailer can order you a copy of number one if they don't still have one on the shelf. It's definitely worth your time. You guys know I read hundreds of comics a month. And this is a standout. Uh, it, it totally blew me away. It was my book of the week the week it came out. It's so, so good and worth your time. So uh, thanks to the whole creative team for joining me. Uh, as we're winding up here, why don't we uh, go around one more time real quick and let everybody know where you can be found online, where people can follow your work. We'll start with you, Mosin. We, where, you, where they can find the work? Yeah, Twitter, your find, Twitter and stuff. Find your, your work. Oh, yeah. Not sure, sure, sure. Yeah, my, um, my Twitter is Mosinius. Um, you can just search by name, Mosin Ostroff. My, my Instagram is Mr. Mosin Ostroff. Um, you can find other stories that I'm dropping on that side. And then I have a, a website, just mosinostroff.com, um, to uh, get updates on the comic as well as other projects that I'm working on. Fantastic. And how about you, Patrick? Uh, sure. I'm on uh, my name, patrickmeany.com. It has info on all my film and comics and, and other work. Uh, I'm on Twitter is just my name. And then Instagram is uh, Patrick M. Meany. Uh, if you want to see see what I'm up to. So great. And for you, Jeff, I have so many. Uh, so <laughs> my Twitter is capital J capital E six, five, eight on Instagram. I'm Jeff Edwards illustration on Facebook. I'm Jeff Edwards illustration. Uh, my website is Jeffrey Edwards illustration.com. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to make it as, uh, uh, as accessible as possible. Mm. So, um, I'm all over the place to uh, everybody's social media in the show notes, everybody. So if you're having uh, trouble finding a particular spot, just go check out the I, and, uh, and you guys I, there. I'm also on YouTube. Jeff Red was illustration. Oh, that's There's right. That we're talking about everywhere. Started recording. all about it. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about how he started doing live streaming. Uh, right. Didn't do shows. So uh, you know, year and a half. You think yeah. I would have remembered it. No, nah, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, well, again, guys, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for putting Siphon out in the world. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's not, as I said before, it's not a surprise to me that it's Top Cow that's putting this out because Matt definitely has a nose for a good story. And this is not only a good one, but a great one. So 
Uh, best of luck with uh, the following two issues. I definitely hope we get a volume two and a volume three and it goes on for a long, long time. Because like I said, so reminiscent of Witchblade, you know, when you talk about the legacy and being able to tell mm -hmm. stories of these siphons in different, uh, you know, time periods, I, I, I would love that. I'm all in. So thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jace. Yes, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Really appreciate it. Yep, and uh, to you listeners, be sure you go out, pick up Siphon. It's definitely worth your time. Uh, issue two out August 25th. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening. As always, we really appreciate the support, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.